Hi everyone and welcome to Green Score, a podcast that aims to make everyday decisions about sustainability a bit easier. We're your hosts, Taylor and Jake. Now today we'd like you to sit back and relax with a cup of tea or coffee because we'll be delving into the sustainability of coffee cups. The UK alone goes through 2.5 billion disposable coffee cups each year. That's roughly the equivalent of every single British person getting a takeaway coffee or tea each week. Now, that number is likely to be even higher over the past year with many cafes refusing to accept reusable cups due to health concerns over COVID-19. What's interesting about disposable coffee cups is that for something serving such a simple everyday function, they're actually kind of complex. Most disposable coffee cups are made from paper, although there are some holdout styrofoam cups out there that we won't get into today. Now you might think, great, paper is really commonly recycled. And in fact, it's estimated that using recycled paper for these cups could save 2 million trees worldwide each year. But as you might be guessing since we're talking about this topic, there's more to a coffee cup than just paper. They're also covered in a thin waterproof plastic coating that is difficult to remove. If you can't separate the paper from the plastic, you can't recycle either component, and this is why your morning coffee cup ends up in the bin. So what exactly can we do to make more sustainable decisions around how we get our coffee or tea fix? That's a great question, Taylor. And uh, to talk us through that today, we've got Saxon Wright, who is the co-founder and chairman of Husky Cups, a reusable coffee company who are looking to kill non-reusable coffee cups once and for all. And Saxon, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, no, no worries, it's a pleasure. Awesome. Um, I suppose the first thing, can you tell us a bit more about Husky Cup? So, you know, what inspired you to set it up and, and you know, uh, what, what's your mission and, and how does the cup work? Yeah, sure. Look, I mean, I think there's, there's a long story and a short story, so I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll try and find a, a halfway point maybe. But it, it really, our goal wasn't ever to, to set up a, uh, what it is now, a takeaway, uh, you know, cup killer or, you know, a reusable cup company. That actually wasn't the goal originally. Um, way back, it was a connection with coffee farms and trying to reduce waste at farms was one of our objectives. So thinking about what are the byproducts of coffee manufacturing at, at a farm level um, and how can we solve that? And then right at the other end of the spectrum, I actually also own a coffee roasting business. And so we're facing the, the constant challenges at a cafe level about what's happening. And, and one of the things we're seeing there in waste specifically, and again, with the same mindset of trying to reduce waste, is how can we solve some of the cafe's waste problems? And uh, clearly takeaway cups are becoming a bigger and bigger issue in that space. So um, what ended up happening was kind of a merging of these different projects of looking at what, what could we do to solve takeaway cup, uh, the takeaway cup waste problem at a cafe, and then also... Uh, what could we do at a, at a, at a farm to reduce waste? And, and funnily enough, it wasn't, wasn't actually my idea. One of the other guys said, wouldn't it be great if we could take the waste from a coffee farm and use that to solve the waste at, at, a, at a cafe, at the cafe end? Um, and so it kind of was kind of like, oh, that's a cool idea, you know, but you know, could, what could you even do? And so we mm-hmm. kind of said about going, well, maybe, maybe we could do something. Maybe we could make reusable cup or, or sorry, single use disposable cups out of coffee waste. Maybe that's better or, you know, we started just playing around with different ideas and uh, where we ended up getting to was going, well, actually there's, there's two problems. One is um, it's not going to be sustainable for us to do it unless it's a business. So we thought, okay, maybe we actually need to turn this into a, an, an enterprise that could uh, be self-sustaining because that way it's actually going to have a, a better long-term impact. So we kind of started thinking about, well, 
how, how do you make it a business? Um, it's not going to work as a you know, not-for-profit or it's not going to work as a side hustle, hobby, uh, even a goodwill project. It's just too, it's too big. Um, so, so trying to navigate what it meant to start a business. And then on the other side was what's the, what's the product? And so we, we then said, okay, well, let's, let's make it about the, the reusable cup experience and with a specific aim of looking at the takeaway cup problem. So kind of a, a long way around it of trying to zoom in on what is the problem, who is our audience, and how do we make it sustainable for us to, to achieve a, a scaled impact, not just a one-off or here, you know, in a couple of cafes, that's great, but how do we actually achieve something uh, bigger than that? So that's kind of, that was the genesis. And then, it, it, you know, we, you get into the nitty-gritty of product design and developing it and really zooming in on, the, on what is the actual solution. And we might come to it later, but that idea of Husky Loop, that, that uh, recycling, that, that returns process and thinking about systems design, not just product design and, and a few other things that kind of um, come together to make, you know, you know, our approach to trying to solve this problem. Yeah, you know, it's awesome. I, I think it's really interesting how you, you're building, trying to build more of a systems level approach to, to solving it rather than just the product. Um, if we take it back slightly then, so obviously this was kind of sort of inspired by looking at the waste in the current industry. So if we take uh, takeaway or disposable cups, um, you know, obviously they're far more than, than me. Uh, I know they're bad for the environment, but what are they, what are takeaway cups made of? So most, most cups and certainly, you know, Australia and from what I can see, US and UK and, and, and similar countries that have moved to a, a paper-based cup. And, and the cup is typically, the cheapest version is like a PE lining. It's a polyethylene lining with a, a standard lid. There's a few different types of lids. PE or PP or, you know, whatever that they're making different lids out of. So the, the issue with those is the, the lining needs to be separated for them to be recycled in a standard paper stream, in most streams. Now, when I, when I talk about it, it's, it I have to be careful just because every country's recycling is really different. So if I say mm-hmm. something about how it's recycled here, it's not necessarily true everywhere. But as a general rule, uh, I mean, the current stats are, 99.75% of takeaway cups don't get recycled. So no matter what you hear, it's, they're pretty much not being recycled. Right? It's, it's a, there are some, but it's, it's pretty low from what, from what we can tell. So yeah, the, the paper lining, uh, sorry, the paper, the paper cup itself uh, with a lining and then a, a, a lid, which ends up just being discarded and, and just going to landfill is the standard, standard route. And then they'll break down and, and the potential for microplastics, et cetera, is quite high because the plastic layer is so thin, it just, it kind of falls apart, but then can get washed away very easily. Just having just from the, from the pure design, why is it that you have an inner, inner layer of, why is it constructed like that? What, what's kind of the properties? I think the main reason is to protect the, the paper so it doesn't soak up any liquid. So it keeps its structure for as long as possible would be the, the, the main reason. But they're, but they're getting better with some of the liners. I mean, we probably come back to it, but the compostable inners. So they're now using like a cornstarch or other types of bio layers. Um, but you do need to protect the paper. I mean, a, a card structure is, is ultimately going to be porous. So have got to stop that. Um, so they're, they're playing around with different ways of doing that and, and making some, some good ground. Yeah, and just to like continue on that, um, I mean, the big problem with having this inner layer of polyethylene is that you can't separate it out, right? Because it's such a thin layer, you can't separate it from the paper. And that's part of why we're not seeing it recycled. That's why we're seeing that 99.75% statistic that was much higher than I thought it would be and is a bit depressing. Um, But just to kind of think about the environmental impact of these things, 
Do you know what the environmental impact of both making the disposable cup and then also landfilling it might be? Yeah, I mean, we, we've done uh, LCAs on, on our product and obviously as part of that, looking at what's happening with the, the, the takeaway cups. The, the issues I've found is there's obviously the impact at the end of life in terms of going to landfill and the piling up and, you know, the, the 600 billion cups a oh. year that, that, that hit landfill or, or whatever the number is, how they like 600, uh, come up. 600 billion cups oh is, a, is, a, is the approximate number hitting landfill every year. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's hard to fathom what that actually would look like in a single pile. I mean, it's, it's, if you try and visualise that, it's like, oh, it's, it's pretty nasty. So the, the, what, what that's happening in terms of just physical space and the, the problem with takeaway cups is, is not just landfill, though. It's, it's the, the fact that people are just dropping them by the side of the road. It's, it's because it's their daily consumer thing that they're carrying with them. And, and if there's not a bin nearby, well, then, you know, clearly people just, just throw them wherever they want, which is, which is pretty disappointing. But that's definitely happening. So there's a, a waterways issue. Um, I, I can't remember the stat for this, but the, the, the percentage of waste coming out of waterways is is quite high i think it's something like 20 or 30 percent is takeaway cups i could be wrong so don't hold me to that one but but there's a it's a, it's a large number of just uh physical products found in waterways that's just single-use cups so it, clearly there's a there's an education problem that people can't even seem to put these in the bin so which which again <laughs> would end up in landfill but they're not even doing that a lot of the time so um i'm not sure if that answered your question exactly but yeah, definitely. And I think that's something quite interesting because for me, I just think of, oh, landfill's bad, but I forget that littering is worse um, just because it's not something that I do on <laughs> very often. Um, so like remembering that litter does happen, litter does happen, especially when there's not a good waste infrastructure. I think that's something that's really important to be remembering when talking about these single-use products. Yeah, um, that's right. And just to clarify one thing for our listeners, you mentioned doing an LCA for uh, disposable cups and for your product. That's just referring to a life cycle assessment, which is where you look at the different environmental impacts throughout the entire life cycle of your product from its production to its use to its disposal. Just so everyone's on the same page. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I have to admit, yeah, I had no idea that uh, this is the whole okay. point of the podcast, okay. in, that, in that Taylor is this is her field and I have no idea. <laughs> so uh, thanks for clarifying, that makes sense. Um, so that, that 600 billion is, I mean, that actually blows my mind. I need to, I'm always, I'm still processing that. And actually the thought of, and then 99 point, or was it 75%, not even, so I mean, that just the, the environment of that is just crazy. So obviously this is a huge problem. Um, you're trying to obviously solve from a usable cup, so, you know, kind of replacing that with a usable cup. So I suppose the first thing is, what, are, what do you make, your cups out of it's a it's a great question and we spend a lot of time trying to work out what's the you know what's the ideal and i think it, it comes down to what are you trying to achieve and so what you make it out of is is relative to the to the the, the broader picture so uh, i guess there's two there's two main ingredients to our product one is the the, the husk hence the name husky um the, the husk is basically a, a shell that comes off the bean in the processing of coffee and it's basically a, a fibrous um product that's it's it's discarded um, at a farm it's actually interesting because it's 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 a waste product and a lot of people say to us oh why don't you just turn it into compost well it's it's a carbon it's high carbon content but very low mineral content and yet you can mix it in compost but only so much 
you know, to get your ratios right for composting and so on. And you can use it for um, to, to cover the ground for weed suppression. And you can do a few things with it, right? So it's not like it's, it can't be reused on farms. Until you see how much they produce at a farm, at a mill, I mean, the volumes are staggering. So this thing, they, you know, just the husk just piles up. So we wanted to do something with it. And, um, and a couple of things is uh, we, we buy the husk from farms. So it's, it's a product they otherwise had to pay to dispose of or they would try and get rid of as much as they can. But, but now it's a secondary income source. So we're actually buying it from farms. So for farmers that are struggling, and it, that, that's a really beneficial thing. But the, the, the husk itself also can, it's, if it sits there and gets wet, it rots and there's vectors and it's actually causing big health issues. So it's actually really important for them to get rid of the husk. They can't just let it sit there and rot. It's, it's, a, it's sort of an important side note. So the husk we, we use, we then, we take the husk and we mill it down to a, like a fine powder almost. Um, and then we have to bind that to turn it into a physical product that's durable. And we have two options. One is, is using, we're looking at different biodegradable products. Um, but we actually ended up using a PP. So interestingly, people say to us, well, hang on, isn't that a, um, you know, why, why using a, a standard resin or why aren't you using something more biodegradable? And there's a, there's a couple of points is we, we ended up on this combination for a couple of reasons. One is um, durability. So in other words, our product will just last a lot longer. The, the, the biodegradable resin binders it just didn't last. They won't last in a dishwasher. They won't last in a commercial setting. Um, the, the lifespan gets, is much shorter. So we had to balance that with um, something that was far more durable. I mean, it was really going to last you know, a genuinely long amount of time in a commercial setting. So uh, that, was, that was the key. And potentially part of an exchange system, which is you know, <laughs> the cups are going to get beat up pretty bad. Um, and the second part is the end of life. Uh, can't, it's very difficult or almost impossible to recycle uh, those end-of-life products using a bio-based product. Um, using a PP, what we're doing is actually collecting end-of-use cups and then remaking new products out of them. So, um, so whilst we are using PP, we're getting a far greater durability during its lifespan and then extending its life by turning it into new products, uh, which we're doing at the moment, actually. We've, we've got some collections going on for damaged and broken cups, um, and we recollect those and then remould them into new products. Just on the PP side, that um, what sort of lifespan are you aiming for with, with, with your cups? Again, it's hard to say. In a home environment, I mean, they'll last for, we don't know. <laughs> They're still going. We, uh, all of our early cups are still in use and we haven't had any issues, um, which is three to four years now. Yeah, it's probably three years in earnest. In a commercial setting, it depends on how they're being used, um, but we're still getting two to three years in a commercial setting. Um, what we've found is most ceramics are only lasting about a year and a half. Um, so we're getting longer life than ceramics in a cafe setting. A ceramic will last forever if it sits on a shelf and doesn't get used, but in a commercial setting, you know, getting thrown around, getting dropped, chipped, and, and, and a cafe will actually cycle through its, its ceramics, um, especially cheaper ceramics. So lower grade ceramics are going to chip and crack and, and be dropped and, and you'll go through that. And what happens to a ceramic cup at the end of life? Uh, just go straight to landfill. There's nothing you can do with it. So what we're finding is we're seeing a lot of cafes now come to us and a lot of corporates are coming to us to replace their ceramics just from a cost point of view because they're like, we replace our ceramics so much. Um, so what we can do is say, well, actually, we'll extend that life. And then uh, we're getting some that are using them for takeout, dine-in and swap. And they're getting to their end of life at about two to three years, three, yeah, two and a half, three years. 
they're sort of saying, actually, they're getting a bit too beat up now. And we're saying, great, give them back to us, return them, and we give them a discount on any new products. So they then get a, a discount uh, replacement stock. We bring those cups back and then uh, turning them into new products. And that becomes a raw ingredient for us. So any new products we make are lower cost because we're, we're not actually paying for that, um, that the, the raw materials and it's already here. So This is amazing. And there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on there. Um, so first, PP is referring to polypropylene. That's resin code number five. If you're looking at your standard food containers around your house, you'll probably find something labeled number five for PP. So one of those really common polymers out there. Second thing is I really like this complete life cycle approach that you've been discussing. I think that's something that a lot of green products don't necessarily address. There might be things like turning plastic waste into park benches, so you're making a new life for it, but you're not dealing with the waste that comes when that park bench can no longer be used, right? So I really like how you're looking at not just using waste, but also getting rid of waste in terms of replacing disposable cups and getting rid of waste in terms of reusing your own cups to make new products once they're worn out. So I think that's a really important thing to be thinking about while we're looking at these different kind of green products out there. Really great to hear that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I've come across a coffee company doing that. Um, and, and actually, I mean, obviously, that you, you kind of already started to, to, to kind of describe, discuss that, but what you're, what you're talking about there is the, the Husky loop, right? That's, that's your scheme. Um, that's your official scheme that, that basically means that even at the end of the life, the product, and it's not a single line, it, it, it's reused and, and repurposed in, in, in some way, right? Yeah, it's exactly. So a couple of things to note is one, our cups can't go in standard recycling. So that's, a, that's the important factor that we say is because it is actually a, a co-mingled plastic. So a standard PP, a standard polypropylene uh, can just go you know, into the, for us, it's the yellow bin, you know, the, the recycling bin. Um, but we, you can't do that. So that, that is a limitation. Um, having, having said that, in our research, we found certainly in Australia, and it's not much better anywhere else, um, only 9% of all plastics that get put in the yellow recycling bin get recycled. So the actual amount of recycling that's actually happening. So people are putting all this stuff in the recycling and only 9%. Now, I think it's improving and they're aiming, you know, to get it up to 12% in the next year or two. And then, you know, but it's like, the, the amount of plastic that people think is being recycled. So we thought, actually, that's rubbish. So we have a we have a 90% recycling target for us on ourselves, on our own product. So we want over 90% of all of our products to be recycled, um, not 9%. And so people say, well, I just, you know, wouldn't it be better if you could just throw it in, in that recycling? It's like, well, if, if, we can, if we're targeting 90% for our own product, then, and, and the, the recycling bin itself, that's not even landfill. I mean, that's, literally what's being targeted for to be recycled um, is because of a whole bunch of issues. Uh, I mean, it, again, different countries, it, it differs a lot um, and different, even different um, councils within different countries, it's going to vary, but it, it's fundamentally not happening. A lot of it's just getting burned. It's getting incinerated. It's, uh, it's just getting tipped um, in Australia. It's the scandals everywhere where recycling is really just not happening. So we just wanted to take ownership over the process. We want to develop our own system for our own product, for our own material. Um, one of the costs with recycling is the separation. Well, part of the reason we, we designed our cup with only two colours with no other moving parts or no other aspects to it is 
we can re recycling for us is so easy because we've only got two processes of separation. So we actually thought about the, the way recycling even happens in the design such that when it comes to our end of life process, when we collect them, there's no sorting, there's no, like it's very easy. And then all of our new product will be in charcoal or natural. <laughs> we have two colors. Um, but the idea is to simplify the recycling process. So in taking ownership over that, we've actually embedded the, the process of how do we recollect, how do we uh, store them and how do we break them down again and, and separate them in, in a way that's as low cost as possible. Because we have to get to a point where the cost to reuse old materials is cheaper than the cost of new materials, which sounds kind of uh, counterintuitive, but if, if recycling materials need to be cheaper. And so we have to think about how do we break products down, simplify them such that recycling can become cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And so we, we just decided to do that within our own ecosystem. Yeah, it's wonderful to see the recycling aspect coming in. And basically the process you're doing is the same as what standard plastic recycling is now. Because most plastics aren't recycled back into the original product. It's only like 2% of plastic water bottles that are recycled back into bottles. A lot of times they're recycled into different quality products just because of the properties of the material you're getting out. I guess kind of going back maybe a little bit to when you were mentioning the LCA or the life cycle assessment, do you have any feel for what the impact of using disposable coffee cups versus using your reusable cups is and what that looks like from a personal consumer perspective? Sure, yeah. So the, the, the numbers are about it takes about 25 um, uses of a, a disposable to about break even with one of our cups. So uh, the, the, the impact of our cup is, is about tw 25. So for a single consumer, that might be two or three weeks worth of takeaway cups um, relative to our cups. Having said that, our, our life cycle analysis didn't actually take into account our closed loop end of life turning into new products yet because we hadn't done it yet and we hadn't worked out the distance back to the, re, the, the remolding facility and, and we, we didn't have that whole piece mapped out. Um, I suspect it'll probably get down to about 10, 10 uses of a single use once if, if you factored in our end of life process as well. Um, and that's what the company that we work with suggested. Well, they were suggesting it'll probably halve or maybe a bit more um, once you factor that in. So um, you're talking, you know, if you have two cups a day, that's one week and the cups kind of covered itself from an impact point of view. Yeah, I was going to say that's really encouraging because if you're talking about a cup that lasts several years and you get coffee several times a week, that's already covered way back in your first month of using that cup. So, yeah, that already sounds really quite encouraging. Well, and just the, the other thing on that, which is something that I'm, I'm personally quite interested in, is e even the, the raw material so that the the, the paper doesn't really get factored into the, they, they look at the paper from an energy point of view, but the logging point of view, I mean, we're now logging rainforests and, and I mean, in Australia, we're still logging at, at an incredible rate um, to, to provide pulp for, for disposable products. So, um, you know, the, the broader, deeper, long environmental impacts are, are crazy when you think about the constant need for paper products. Um, which is, which is kind of one of the arguments against compostables. Because even compostables, yeah, they're good and you could compost them, but the, the raw ingredients of, of pulling down timber to, to create that at scale um, is having a pretty devastating impact. So um, 
it's sort of a, a bit of a side point, but something to think about. Actually, that's a great side point because that's kind of exactly what I wanted to ask about next, which is how does like a reusable cup compare to biodegradable alternatives, so things like vegware, um, and also just kind of how it compares to sharing schemes. So having your own reusable cup mm -hmm. versus the company having the cup that they share with everyone. Yeah, sure. No, that's the good good question. So re relative to compostables and vegware. Like they're good, and I, I think they're definitely a step in the right direction because the, the inputs they're using are definitely better. So they're, they, they're not using petroleum-based, and, and they're, when they do break down, they, you know, they will break down um, in, in a way that's more environmentally friendly. So if they do hit the oceans, it's better-ish. Um, although there, there's actually some arguments about some of the negative impacts of, of that still. So... Um, However, you can put them in uh, your compost at home and there are more opportunities, I think, for consumers to deal with those. But the, the problem, and, and again, I, I probably speak more from my understanding in Australia, but I mean, people just aren't doing that. I mean, people aren't set up for composting at home and there isn't com commercial composting uh, readily available. It's starting to increase, but it's nowhere near the, the level of the impact and certainly to the scale of the cup issue itself. Um, it's, it's a tiny uh, part of that solution. So yeah, I think it's a step in the right direction, um, but you've still got those sourcing problems from, from a timber and pulp point of view. You still have ships uh, sending container after container on boats, and we've got massive congestion in shipping at the moment. So, um, and the cost of shipping on the environment is huge. So if you were just shipping one after another containers of, of, of better quality single use, you're still building on this problem. So I guess we're trying to eliminate some of those issues um, at, a, at a broader sort of scale. Um, uh, so yeah, better, but for me, it's still not the solution. Um, it's still not good enough. Um, it's you know one step forward, one step back. You know we're not actually moving forward. We're just dancing around the problem a little bit. Um, the I, the the answer to you know what about taking your own reusable again better you know I think absolutely I think it's you know if you can take if you've got any reusable cup take it and use it I mean I think that that makes a lot of sense um, what we've tried to do with our cup is is actually enable a cafe through a system to uh, allow people to exchange so in other words what we're trying to do is simplify it for consumers we're trying to make it really easy it's like oh I forgot my cup it's like okay great well actually we've got an app and with the app you can just keep borrow a cup on the app and the cafe will lend you one. We record that. And it's like, yeah, you've got to take it back to the cup to, to that cafe or, or we'll charge you because that cafe is actually paid for that. They buy a, a small float of cups. Um, and so we've got some features that like a, like a cup library, we've got some features that just make it simple for those people. Um, but really, and, and I guess coming as a cafe owner, what we found is every time someone brought their own reusable, it was a, it was a pain in the backside. So it was great for the consumers. The consumers like, yeah, you know, whatever, it's fine. Um, but as more and more people started to bring their own reusables, and certainly at our cafes where we really encourage that, what we found is it just became a real headache for the baristas. It slowed up our trade. It, people were bringing dirty cups that were like, oh, you really want your, your coffee in there? It's like... Um, I have done that a few times. And I'm like, like can, I'm like, please, can you... I, I need to wash it out. Just I've got to be back in a few minutes. Yeah, uh, which, again, for one or two people, it's fine. What about when you've got a queue of 20 people? I mean, we have, a, we have queues that, that go out the door. So 
every time someone brings a reusable and we need to, you know, we've got a hygiene issue and if they get sick, they, they could come back to the cafe and it could be the cafe's issue. And, uh, you know, it says there's a few problems there. So what, what we've done with the system is to say, okay, well, if, if it's a float and exchange and you can just drop off your dirty, every cup coming out the door is hygienically cleaned. It's, it's ready to go. It's, it's pre-warmed. It's sitting on the machine. It's basically from a barista's point of view, it's, it's the same setup and the same simplicity and ease of use as, a, as single use takeaways. So they just grab it off the top, make the coffee and out it goes. Um, no change with, you know, they're designed to be the same sizes. So the same ratio of coffee, so they can quality control it. It's, you know, when people bring in all their different size cups, it's hard for a barista to understand how much the ratio, because they're not familiar, they can't see the size. So, you know, what, what does that look like? Um, but it's really the, the cleaning issue was huge because, for us to take someone's cup, take it five meters away, put it through a two to three minute cycle, and then you've got to bring that cup back, find the lid, find out who you know, um, whose coffee it was, connect it back to the order. Like when you've got, a, you know, and, and everyone, you know, you got you got twenty people looking at you, looking at their watch, looking at you, looking at the watch. You know, like angry. I've you know, got a meeting. I've got a meeting. Exactly. Hurry up! Yes, <laughs> that's right. So. Um, it, it just was slowing everything up. So we were just like, oh, there's got to be a better way. And so the system became really important. So we had to think of what's the system that just really streamlines that. And so the Husky system or the Husky swap system is really just about facilitating a super quick exchange. You drop your old cup off, grab a new one. There's no apps. There's no money. There's no, it's, we've tried to make it as frictionless as possible such that it's easily adoptable. Um, it's great for the baristas. So the baristas are like, oh my gosh, this is so much better. You know, please join this system. Don't, like don't bring your own as much as they, they want the people to bring their own from an environmental point of view, but just from a flow um, bar flow point of view, it's, it becomes really critical. So Taylor just had, um, just wanted, just had about one final question or two final questions. Yeah, I guess just to kind of wrap things up, I was wondering if you could give us your like top three takeaways for our listeners about coffee cups and what they can do if they're looking to be more environmentally conscious yeah yeah great so i, I think the, the first step is is use reusables <laughs> i think uh single use we just have to get away from the convenience of single use so my, my my biggest thing is just get get reusables that's step one uh if it's a husky cup great <laughs> but ultimately you know it we just we need to stop using um those number two is is find out talk to you, the local cafe if, if you go to a cafe to, to, to get a regular coffee uh, ask them you know um, find out what they what they're talking about encourage them to think about different solutions or or um, you know see what see see what they're doing um, and and see what they feel about people bringing reusables and what their challenges are and I think it's part of a broader conversation I think we just need to be talking about it I think we need to be discussing um, you know with different people and not sort of have it as a of an assumed thing. The, the, the final point is an interesting one with, with COVID because a lot of people are assuming that there's a, there's a real hygiene or health problem. Um, so we've done a lot of work around that and, and I'm, I'm kind of encouraging people to, to get back on it. Every, there's been a, an unfortunate kind of shift back towards uh, single-use disposables just with, with everything going on. And I, look, I understand that. It, it, it makes sense. Uh, but we've done a lot of research around that and, and actually done actual testing and and we're finding that there's no difference between using a reusable system and uh, and, and using reusables even with, with COVID if, for those cafes that are still operating 
so I think we, we need to get back there again and, 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 and just use a lot less. And that goes for, for takeaway food as well and I think in anything else. So I think it's not just takeaway cups, but, but any single use we have to think about our choices and, and work out uh, what we can do and go to a little bit more effort. I think sometimes we just we want the absolute easiest and it really is not that much more effort to just think about those small decisions and, and change our behaviour. And I think it's just being conscious and aware of it is the first step. Um, and then the smaller little bit of effort to change our, our approach um, is, is not too hard. So I, I encourage people just to, to make that step. Yeah, I, I love those those takeaways. I think the adv- the advocacy one is really interesting and making sure that it's maybe not just your decision, but also talking to other people and being like, hey, how can we think about making this your decision too? And yeah, this kind of ties in with what we're seeing with some of our other speakers where the first step is really reducing, right? It's not just about recycling. It's not just about reusing. It's about changing how how you consume things and that's something we can all probably think about a bit more yeah like the last thing we like to do in in these uh, in these episodes is something called a green score uh, so we have two different green scores one of them is talking about how easy it is for us as individuals to make sustainable decisions around this product so how can how easy is it for us to choose a greener mode of getting our coffee And the other one is kind of the wider impact. So how much of an impact can changing how we consume coffee cups make on the wider environmental issues uh, and climate change and pollution, things like that, that we're facing. Mm -hmm. Um, And we go from kind of black, which is the worst, um, all the way through brown, gray, which is kind of like middle of the road, could go either way. And um, then through to forest green and lime green is our, our gold standard for sustainability. So I'll just kind of start and give what my views of the green score are. And then maybe Jake can uh, can give his ideas as well. And then Saxon, if you want to comment on anything that we say and agree or disagree, that would be awesome. So in terms of the green score for ease of making decisions. I'm actually going to go a bit positive on this one and say a forest green, um, because it seems like there are options out there. Obviously, it depends on where you're living, what sort of resources you have. But there are these reusable cup companies coming out, there are cafes that are willing to engage with it. Um, And so it seems like it's, it's becoming increasingly easy uh, to, to make these sorts of choices. Personally, I'm going even more positive lime green because it seems so, it's such a simple thing to do, which is to just not, just to take a reusable cup. And, you know, it's, I'll be honest, Jackson, until we've spoken to you, I thought it was just on the consumer, which I still don't think is that big a deal. I mean, you just take your reusable cup or you don't buy a coffee, in my personal view. Um, but I mean, then... Or have, or have dine-in. Dine-in is actually a really good alternative too. <laughs> Yeah, take or, some time, or, sit down, have your coffee, you know. Yeah, or dine in. I mean, it's such a simple choice to make. And then, you know, and then like uh, you know, so, something like your company is making it even easier by saying, don't worry, if you forget the cup, you can use another one. I mean, it's such it seems such it's such a simple choice. And actually, I find it quite frustrating walking around, seeing people carrying massive, you know, like two, three, four cups of of uh, you know, a, a, a disposable, you know, disposable coffee cups. It just seems such a it's such an easy choice to make. So from an ease point of view, I'm going lime green because it just seems 
of many of all the you know sustainability seems very complex this is just really easy and it seems to just come down to effort Jackson don't know what, don't know what you think on on that one on that green score oh yeah I I probably agree I think it's super easy I think it's it's not hard it's, it's a small investment I guess but it not really I mean you get to you know, if you there's this, there are so many options. We are definitely not the only option. You know, so there's no excuse to find something that you love. You know, we, you know, we've we've tried to do something for, for a specific purpose and reason. But uh, you know, there's lots of options. You know, so it's it it really shouldn't be hard to find something. No, buy a reusable cup, or if you forget it, drink it. And if you don't have time, don't have the coffee that day. That's my personal view. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a pretty good three-step plan there. <laughs> Great. Uh, no, it's, I honestly am really happy to get something positive out of, out of this, um, out of this podcast, because sometimes I feel like sustainability can feel like, oh, there's no good choices, but it's nice to see that actually there are. Um, so moving to our second green score, um, in terms of the wider impact that making these sustainable decisions around coffee cups can have, I'm I'm gonna stay kind of consistent here and go for forest green again, because again, you're reducing a huge amount of waste by switching to reusables. Um, and as Saxon mentioned, there's like so much, <laughs> so much of this waste going into the oceans. And so by reducing that amount of waste, you're going to be reducing pollution as well. And so that's obviously going to have a wider impact. It's not going to change everything because again, it's just a single product, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. And I think it's symbolic of a wider change towards using less and changing how we use. So I'm gonna go for forest green. I think I'll probably agree with you, Taylor, um, mainly because it seems that, and I hadn't really thought about this until I spoke to you, but uh, I hadn't really thought about what happens uh, once you finish with that coffee cup, um, you know, if it breaks or cracks or whatever. And um, it seems like the impact will be huge by buying a, re a reusable coffee cup. Um, so that's, you know, there's some absolutely crazy figures of how many are thrown away every year and how little are recycled. So, but it, I, I imagine a lot, there is not a closed loop or a way of them recycling them, uh, which would, if there was, I'd go lime green, the exception being companies like yourself, Saxon. So I reckon it's forest green for now, but if more companies are doing something similar to Husky, I reckon it would then it would then be lime green for me. Um, Saxon, once again, don't know if you uh, agree or disagree on that. Yeah, I mean, only that obviously some products can be recycled in the standard streams, so like, yes, stainless or... Uh, or you know even just pure PP options could just be thrown in standard recycling streams, but it's are they? <laughs> I guess is the question, and 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 if they are, then you know we, do we really know what's going on with them at the other end? So that's the, that's the unknown. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree. I think um, yeah, I, I don't think it's not it's not perfect solution yet um, by any means, um, but it's 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 going the right direction. I think yeah, there's 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 good enough options, but it's not not perfect. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, um, I think that oh, I've learned a lot um, from today. Um, thank you very much, Saxon. Really appreciate you. Um, really appreciate you coming on. And I think you know your your mission is awesome. And I think the way you're approaching this stuff is is amazing. So thank you so much for coming on, taking time to speak to us. That's no, great. Great to uh, to talk about. It. It's been it's been good. Yeah, no, thank you so much. This has been super interesting. So I'm, I'm excited to see uh, how we pull it together and what our listeners think. <laughs>